What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 7 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete Mbessi, joined by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, the garden variety doombringer, Mr. Robert Thompson, and the guildmaster himself, Sean Bartley. How are we all doing this week, boys? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> wow. You all gave me that <laughs> near-perfect unison. <laughs> Good. I am well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for those of you who follow us, uh, Pete and I were absent last week because we were uh, at Wizard World Philadelphia. But Thompson and Andy uh, held down the fort. I'm very thankful for that. Um, Made for a pretty good episode. I had yes. a blast. If you haven't heard it, you should go check it out. Um, so I've been on the mend. Right after that long weekend of of working and and it, you know you've been sick for like two weeks yeah yeah exactly that too um but i feel like i'm finally sort of coming out the other side uh but it's not helped by the fact that it is currently 90 degrees in new york city yeah it is it, we're pushing 95 in new jersey right wow. now yeah so it's i i feel that it's bullshit <laughs> i'm just gonna come out and say it's fucking bullshit <laughs> We live in a swamp town. It's the only fucking state where you have to use the uh, air conditioner and then the heater in the same week, probably. Accurate. Ooh. But all right, so we're going to kick the show off the way we always do by talking about what we're playing this week. But first, we've got a little housekeeping to get through. So if you want to stay connected with us, you can follow our sister show at The Comics Pals, anywhere social media is sold. You guys want to write in, hear your questions right on the air, give us a random question on the week, any of that stuff, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you're watching us over on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're an audio listener, we would also greatly appreciate it if you headed over to iTunes where we are a five-star rated podcast and uh, drop us one of those ratings. And, uh, you know, as always, the biggest thing you can do for the show is share it with your pals and hope they become our pals too. So, now that's all taken care of, um, let's talk about what we're playing this week. So, I, I don't have too much to report. I It's like, much like Andy, I've been kind of like in the same few games grind the last couple weeks. Hey, um, you don't know what I'm playing. <laughs> whatever. You've been playing Persona since every episode. I mean... You tell me you're not playing Persona 5. No, I'm playing Persona 5. I'm there almost done. I'm almost done Persona 5. And then until you do a new game. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then you talk about it for another 10 episodes. <laughs> Episode 40. Guys, I think I finished. Why? Persona 6 coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, I got the platinum in Persona. I'm thinking about doing another playthrough. <laughs> Just like New Game++ plus plus on Merciless, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna delete my old save file just to start over. But uh, yeah, so I uh, I'm still chipping away at Horizon. I got up to the like literally the last mission the last time I played, so I'm gonna probably wrap that up tonight, honestly, um, and hopefully be done with that game for good. Even though I love it so much, because I'm anticipating we're probably gonna get a DLC announcement at uh, at the Sony conference on Monday. So um, I'm sure I'm gonna have a reason to go back to it sooner than later, and I'm definitely ready to kind of move on and do something else. Um, like but Persona other than that, 5? Like, probably Persona 5. It's a really good chance. I also think I might really want to double back and finish out Final Fantasy 15. Yes. Um, do it. <laughs> I, still have, I still have a ton of Zelda to get through as well. So I, I have enough to play before I even pick up anything new. Um, but other than that, I'm um, doing a d- decent amount of multiplayer stuff this week. Uh, we all played HOTS together a couple times. Um, and then uh, I was doing a little uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds for the first time um, since, like, the week I bought it, where I put a couple hours into it. And uh, 
Yeah, that game is really fun. Um, it's it's definitely it's going to be really interesting to see where like where it has to grow from here because it's already really good, even though it's a little buggy and you know it's got some early access issues. But like the the one point that game is going to be something else. I think. Oh yeah, I think it's gonna like. Every time I play it, I think, wow, this game is early access trash, but also it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, even if it never hits 1.0, like, I've already put, like, like, almost 150 hours into it, so I'm already satisfied with it. Like, if it never changed, I'd be fine, but it's just good for me because it's going to change. You're literally always playing that goddamn game. because it's, it's good, and I always get to the top 10. Like, you know, 9 out of 10 games, I'll get to the top 10. But only in solo. The moment I'm in duo or a squad, I fucking lose every time. I'm like, <laughs> like one of the first five people to die. I don't know what the hell I do wrong. Down. Oh my god! I played a game with uh, Thompson and Ozzy and our friend Brian. And Thompson at the beginning of the game is like, Andy, follow me this way. And we were the first two people that game to die because we fell off a cliff because I followed Thompson. Well, the cliff, like, <laughs> there is actually a way to go down the road, and I just was like, I can jump these little bits, and then, like, you know, the, the bugginess kicked in where you kind of slide forever down the wall of, you know, like, the fake visible wall of a mountain. So I bounced once, and then I bounced again, and I just literally bounced my way down a mountain dead. Like, a fucking corpse hit the, fo- the ground, and Andy's like, I'm dead too. <laughs> so two but... of us died from a mountain. Good because stuff. Ozzy became one with the weep in that game, we still were like the fourth place team. <laughs> hey, Thompson Ozzy. and I just spectated for forty five <laughs> minutes. Ozzy spent like forty minutes in a cornfield or some shit and just laid around. It was like top ten. Like he didn't even have to try. <laughs> it was so good. I had a, a similar experience when I was I was playing uh, with Ozzy the other night and. Um, we, I found this little, like, farmhouse that we held up in for, like, about 20 or 30 minutes of the game. Like, the, the circle kept, like, closing in, and, like, the farmhouse was, like, right in the middle of the circle every yeah. time. So yeah, I was you're like, lucky. oh, we're going to be straight here up until, like, the very last push. Um, and that was actually what killed us, was when we finally had to leave the house. We died. Yeah. But we stayed yeah. inside, and a couple people, like, saw that we were in there, and they kept trying to come in and kill us. And I, so, we're standing up there in the attic with our guns both pointed, like, at the staircase for the first motherfucker that tries to come up and attack us. Yes. So yes. I was just like, I was like, should I throw a grenade down the stairs? And he's like, I mean, it can't hurt. So I throw the grenade, it bounces off the wall down the stairs and knocks, like, hits both of them and knocks them down. So we just storm run down and they rush up the stairs at us and I just mowed them down with the automatic shotgun. And oh, it was yeah. the most kills I've ever gotten in that game. Like two? <laughs> Yeah, two right in a row, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Shit. This is the best game I've ever had. Nice. I keep more like, you know, like hyper-aggressive seems to work, actually. I mean, shit, that's already, what, twice as many people as Andy's ever killed in a game? Whoa. It's true, yeah. Wait, Andy, didn't you get a kill? Right? I got I got a kill all on my own. Ooh. Nice. Um, this week I was playing solo queue, hiding out in a barn, and it wasn't even a barn. It was like a little shed that didn't have a door, but the farm i was on was in the red zone so i was like you know what i'm just gonna hide in here hope that anybody who comes at me gets exploded or that you know i can kill anybody and this guy just ran right past me didn't see me and i blew his head off and it felt great <laughs> fair enough i felt like fucking Widowmaker from overwatch just one shot one kill <laughs> that's what we should call you from now on in player unknown <laughs> Widowmaker? Andy one shot one kill brown. <laughs> Andy the Widowmaker. Uh, more accurately, it's Andy like 
top ten but no bullets fired Brown. <laughs> Hide and seek champion twenty seventeen. <laughs> I mean basically. Uh so would you play anything else this weekend, Andy, or just Persona five and player unknown? I got cover? like I'm like right at the end of Persona Five. Um minor spoilers, so like cover your ears if you're spoilery. Uh, but the game ends in, like, a boss rush that I'm halfway through. Okay. And I'm, like, making my way up to the last boss, but the five bosses preceding him are pretty hard. So it's like, once you're done with that, that's it, right? And once I'm done with that, yeah, there's, like, you know, cutscenes and story stuff to do, but that's, like, more or less the end of the game. So how does it feel? How does it feel to finally be this close? Uh, like, I told Thompson last week, and I'm in the same boat with it now, where, like, I don't know if I'm ready to say goodbye. Mm. <laughs> that's why i'm still fucking playing horizon i get it yeah and like i just like really care about these characters and it's like i feel so dumb being attached to anime teenagers that's that's <laughs> not a problem at all man i've watched so many fucking anime that i'm like oh this this person right here i love this guy this girl like all these characters now the list is like a hundred people and i'm I'm like, you know, who do I pick from? <laughs> so, <laughs> at least you've only got, like, that's, one set of characters. Yeah, that's true. That's the Persona struggle. Yeah, well, that's, that's being a weeb struggle. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> too many waifus. Oh, God. Too ah. many waifus, too many waifus. <laughs> too many waifus, too many waifus. Sorry. <laughs> No, no. Uh, I was just going to say, speaking of waifus, I, I have to derail this just for a second to to bring up uh, an anecdote from our time at Wizard World, Sean, where uh, our co-host Marco desperately tried to find a body pillow um, for him for him to buy unironically. <laughs> he could not find one of a character that he actually liked. I don't, I don't understand that at all. That he couldn't find one what? that he liked a character from? No, that you no, would want or, or body pillows. Yeah, <laughs> what, what's wrong with a body pillow? Sometimes you want to cuddle up against something. I mean, no, nothing. I just don't understand it. I, <laughs> I can kind of understand it because I've got this comforter that I always seem to wake up wrapped around, and it's just like I don't use the comforter. It's rolled up like a tube, so it's like <laughs> I kind of have one already. <laughs> so what you're saying, Thompson, is that we should buy you a body pillow? I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Like <laughs> I would seriously probably <laughs> use it. It'd be real comfy, I bet. You know. So wait, is this the segment of the show where Japanese culture makes Sean uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing makes me uncomfortable. We could I go just, on J-list. I just okay, don't... Sean the Hedgehog. <laughs> All right, that was a little weird, but it is weird. I just, I just don't understand it, man. <laughs> Some people... you gotta go on. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still a website, but I remember being younger. There was one called what? It was like what the fuck? J- yeah, no, that's the thing. Com. I think it, it was just like it was like a Tumblr blog, basically of just like just pictures of just weird things in Japan. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's around somewhere. I, I know it still exists. So, speaking of weird things from Japan, Thompson, what are you playing this week? <laughs> just assume. Um, <laughs> wait, is the implication that Thompson plays weird things from Japan, or is something weird from Japan? A little yeah, bit. I'll leave that up for the viewers to decide. <laughs> All right. A little bit of column A and B. <laughs> Um, it's really funny you brought that up, actually, because I reinstalled Total War Shogun 2, and I just got real into it, so, like... <laughs> you don't say! Here I am, fighting in the Sengoku Jidai once more, and I'm actually supporting the Shogun it for once, and, uh, I, I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. I, I decided to make nothing but traditional units, which, you know, 
samurai and swords and all that shit. Um, I'm like, yeah, I could totally take on these musket troops, and I'm getting fucking annihilated, so this is great. Um, I decide, yeah, I got real into RTSs I'm looking at recently. Um, I reinstalled Total War Attila just for shits and giggles. Um, kind of went back to Command & Conquer 3. Uh, I went, oh, we played Duck Game, too. Oh, yeah, we did play yeah, a lot of Duck, Duck Game. Game. I, I don't know if you guys, whoever is at Sean, home. Sean, you gotta get Duck Game. The Humble Bundle has it right now. It's like seven bucks. Pick it up. It's so much fun. Like It's, it's, it's incredible. So it's great. Good. It's just beautiful. Get it. Every time we play it, like, just, there's just so, like, endless laughter. Yeah. There's laughing. There's crying. But crying from laughter. Um, it's like, what if you had Super Smash Brothers, but everyone was a duck, and instead of having fighting abilities, you had to, like, pick up guns and stuff and kill each other. That's, that's very strange. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's fucking insane. Um, yeah. Uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, obviously. Um, got back into Civ Five pretty hard recently. Um, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure, I guess, because after, like, I think when I hit, like, 1,200 hours, I was like, I'm never playing Civ Five again. And then, like, I was talking to uh, Chris, and he's like, hey, Civ? And I was like, man, I haven't played that shit in over a year. And he's like, Civ? It's like, mm, okay. And then, like, 200 hours later. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> um every time yeah. i think i'm out they just keep pulling me back in um i think i mentioned also i was playing endless space and i'm still playing that that has been absolutely it's it's just amazing because it's like civ with more customization so i'm having a blast with that nice and nice. i got the escapist which is like um i didn't ever hear of it uh it's a little pixel art game about like escaping prisons and shit and you you go around and you know, like you can either follow the routines or whatever. You can dig through walls, craft items. It's it's like really deceptively simple um, controls and shit, but like complex. You know, like I've like multiple yeah, yeah. times I've had a tunnel actually leading out of the prison, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna walk right out now, and I, I get like halfway, and someone's like, oh, we found you stole prison guard's key. You're in solitary now, asshole. It's like, oh, man, I was breaking out tonight, <laughs> damn it. And like, there's you know, obviously all the shit you you had gained like is lost. So. That was a fun little game. I think it's on sale right now. And it probably will still be on sale when this goes up. So, hey, get it for like five bucks. That's it. I think that's all I played. Cool. What about you, Sean? So, uh, since the last time I was on the show, I have played a lot of the same games. Uh, so, quick update on the World of Warcraft rating scene, at least for my guild. Uh, we finally killed Gul'dan. Woo! On the nice! Congratulations! So nice. Are, thank you. We are 10 of 10. It's very exciting, very fun. Everyone is very happy with that. Uh, we did it with some time to spare, so that means that we can pretty much take it easy until the 20th of June when the new raid releases. So that's something exciting for us. You've only got uh, nine days for the next raid? Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Which essentially means that I have yeah. a lot of work to do as far as planning and preparing and learning the strategies for the next nine bosses that we have to uh, work on. So that's not exciting, but uh, I am ready and, and uh, happy to get back in there and and uh, pro reprogress, you know, and work on new content. Uh, beyond that, <clears throat> I have been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm. Not as much as I would like, partially because I was sick for quite a while, partially because of Philly, partially because of, you know, a lot of different things. But... I have had the opportunity to play some more Hero League, which is always fun. Um, unfortunately, when you're doing your placement games, chances are you will get grouped up with very bad players. 
And, we know that struggle. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> pretty common for leagues. So. And uh, that is where I'm at. Uh, people who just do not want to play as a team, they won't pick characters that will actually benefit you. So it's very frustrating. But I do enjoy playing it on a competitive level, even if the players aren't necessarily the best. You can tell that there's a difference in the mentality of the players who queue up sure. for Hero League versus Quick Match. So that's fun. Have you have you found that the people in Hero League are more um, toxic? Uh, no, not yet. Cool. I'm, I'm still <laughs> in my placement games. I don't know how that might change, but... Sure, sure. I have heard, though, that the Heroes of the Storm community is a lot better than the League community. But I don't know if that's actually true. That's just what I've heard. I don't think it's really far hard of a stretch to uh, to be better than the league community in any way. It's a, yeah, it's really like, toxic. Like you, pretty much. There, yeah, yeah. there's some toxic motherfuckers who play League of Legends for sure. I've experienced the same level of toxicity in Heroes of the Storm, but just on a far less frequent level. Yeah, I definitely. find that most of the times when you play a game of League of Legends, your team talks to each other, and that inevitably leads to like communication breakdown or people being rude if things aren't going well whereas in heroes i find more often than not the players that i'm playing with that i don't know don't talk this is true that's that's how i see it and you can't you can also all chat in league of legends so you can like talk to the other team so like shit talking is definitely like a big part of league of legends i think i think that contributes to the lack of toxicity uh personally for me I've only had maybe two or three experiences where there was someone just being a complete douche on uh, Heroes yeah. of the Storm. So for having played two months and only having two or three of those kind of interactions, that's really not bad considering it is the internet. No, not at all. Uh, and then be beyond that, I've been playing a lot of Donkey Kong Country. I'm still trying oh, yeah. to get through that damn game. Nice. Uh, it's very hard. This is a brutal game. But I'm working my way through. I think I'm near the end. So I'm really excited to, you know, push that one down. Yeah, it's not like a super long game, but it's definitely got a couple levels that will take you enough time that will stretch out that experience for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm hoping to beat that, and then I will return to Legend of Zelda, so. All right, cool. <laughs> That's it for me. All right, sweet. So um, we've got a jam-packed news week with the lead-up to E3, but uh, if you're hoping to get some E3 coverage from us this year, fret not. We will be posting a special bonus episode of the Video Game Pals this Wednesday where you can get all of our E3 reactions in one place. So even though we're going to be recording this the day after EA's conference and kind of simultaneously running along the uh, Bethesda conference, don't expect any you know E3 news that's from the major stuff on this episode. So if you do want some E3 talks from us, make sure you come back on Wednesday and uh, you'll get all that then. Cool? Cool. All right. So I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! Item number one on the list is kind of a cheating thing. It's more like a three-parter, uh, but we're going to be talking about Nintendo's Pokemon Direct, which was... Whelming. <laughs> well, so we, uh, we got three major <laughs> announcements from the Direct. The first being that Pokken Tournament is the next Wii U game to be getting the Switch Remaster treatment. Pokken Tournament DX will be launching on the Nintendo Switch on September 22nd with a sizable amount of new content. Uh, so DLC characters that were released for the Japanese arcade version of the game, which include Scizor, Krogunk, Darkrai, and Empoleon... Uh, as well as a brand new fighter, Decedui from Sun and Moon, will all be added to the game. So we're getting five 
totally new characters, which is awesome because uh, as great as the roster was for Pocken, it was definitely um, it was a good number, but it, it definitely could stand more characters. Uh, especially getting some representation from the new generation is really cool. However, the biggest change to the game is going to be players' ability to play with two players on a single screen. Uh, in the the trailer that they showed, the teaser trailer, they showed a uh, you know twenty something kid who's backpacking to go meet his brother or whatever. And um, along the way, he was meeting up with people and playing Pockin by pulling the Joy-Cons off of his Switch, sitting down, and playing the game in split-screen mode. Which, uh, if you were a fan of the Wii U version, you'll know that the only way to play local co-op required one player to use the Wii U gamepad and one player to play on the television. So, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work, uh, given the, like, kind of 3D nature of the game. But, I, you know, I guess we'll see more of that when we get our hands on it. Um, like I said, it's September 22nd, so really not too far away. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about this? I'm, I'm personally really excited about it just because, I mean, I own the game on Wii U, um, but I'm glad to see Pokin getting another chance at life and not being stranded on the Wii U because I think it's a really good game and it had a pretty cool scene for a little while. So I'm kind of glad to see that more people might get their chance, might get a chance to get their hands on it. So this is another announcement that makes me want to have a switch i never picked up pokemon tournament for the wii u just because i i really dislike the fact that that if you were going to play local which you know that's what i do i have my friends come over we all play uh the idea that you had one person had to use the wii u gamepad and the other person had to look at the the, uh the television screen that's horrible that's really bad and very very just a strange decision uh, so I really like that change. Uh, I love the fact that they're adding new characters. I feel like some of those characters should have always been there. Like Scizor should have been there from the beginning. That's That to me is obvious. Um, and I agree with you that this game does need more characters. So I appreciate that they're still supporting it. Um, and I, I think that uh, that the Wii U or the Switch needs some fighting games. And And... Porting this game is a that makes perfect sense. So I'm, I'm totally. very happy that they're doing that. I mean, I enjoyed Pokken, and I'm happy that like people are excited for it, and I'm happy it's getting a new lease. But like, I'm not gonna buy it. It was okay. I'm not that into Pokemon or fighting games, so I'm not the target market here. Sure. I mean, you also get the chance to play it again when I get it. Yeah, that's true. So. It's kind of like, I, I totally get that, too. But when we're we're talking about, you know, Wii U games coming to the Switch, call me when it's Tokyo Mirage Sessions or uh, Smash. <laughs> I hear you on Smash. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, we uh we got that Nintendo Direct on Tuesday. I would not be surprised if uh, Smash for Switch an- announcement is imminent. Yeah. That, like, we Thompson and I reported on it last week. It, it seems legit. Yeah, I, I agree. Those leaks definitely seemed to be pretty legitimate, and it's not the first time that a, a leak like that's come out of 4chan. Yeah. So, so we'll just uh, call me when it's Tokyo Mirage Sessions then. <laughs> but yeah, Thompson, what do you think about this? I played Pokken for like 20 minutes. Um, I had a blast. I think Gengar's in it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I played Gengar for like the 20 minutes I played. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited that it's going to be like relevant still because like I never really got to experience it. And I do remember 
uh, trying to play on that fucking gamepad for the 20 minutes I had it, and I was just like, I, oh, God, I can't even play this, you know? <laughs> yeah, it just sucked because it always felt like one person was at a disadvantage. Well, I mean, I can't use that gamepad because it's either, like, something the way it's laid out for my hands, I don't know, just got fat fingers or some shit. I don't know what it was. It's super bulky. Yeah, yeah it's uncomfortable. I don't know what it was, like it's, it, you know? It doesn't work for a fighting game, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the screen's, like, not too small, but it was still small enough that I actually would have, like, trouble keeping up with it, um... Yeah. I need a TV, you know, I just kind of need, I think like visually I've played console games on the TV, you know, my whole life. So like changing it to the handheld thing just threw me and it like, I always felt disconnected from the game even, even when we did smash on it, actually, I would, I would just do so much better if I had a controller watching the TV versus that stupid mm. gamepad. Like, I'm just glad that's not going to be on the gamepad, you know, to see the, to see the game, like probably the way it should have been played. Yeah, absolutely. And like. I don't know. I think being able to have local co-op and not have to have it split up like that is going to be huge. Yeah, I forgot about like, that. Like, I'm going to want to play this game more because of that. That's that's gigantic, you know? That's how, like, every fighting game works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this announcement. This was something I had been hoping for for a long time, cool. for sure. Um, so, from there, we also finally got confirmation of the much-anticipated sequels to Pokemon Sun and Moon, but it was not the rumored Nintendo Switch Pokemon Stars that we were all hoping for. Uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are releasing exclusively for Nintendo 3DS on November 17th, and will feature a, quote, alternate story, and, uh, included hints that there should, should be new Pokemon coming to the game as well. Um, so while this news is definitely not wholly surprising, um, fans were understandably upset. Uh, see y'all so salty <laughs> as fuck. Um, because, like, I-, I get this, like, for Nintendo, this is exactly the move they did with Pokemon Black and White 2, where the 3DS had come out, it needed new games, it was actually struggling, um, and then they announced they were putting out Black and White 2 on the DS, you know? There's a bigger install base on the 3DS, um, Pokemon fans all own a 3DS at this point. Many of them don't own Switches. And while I get the impetus to want to put out a game on the Switch and get that audience over there, I don't know if a port of a game that they've already played is necessarily the way to do that. So I kind of get this decision as much as I am disappointed by it. Yeah, I I actually agree. I was definitely one of the people who thought <clears throat> that it was a smart. It would be a smart move to port. Um, Sun and Moon over to the Switch. I still don't think that that is a bad idea necessarily, but I completely understand the desire to, for the time being at least, keep Pokemon exclusive to handheld devices, exclusively handheld devices. Uh, And if, you know, I mean, look, we've been dealing with Nintendo and how they handle the Pokemon franchise for 20 years, right? So I guess it's almost naive on our part to expect that they would do something different, considering that they've basically done things the same way that entire time. And it's been cool for 20 years, so I really can't be up in arms now. Because I know this company, they don't disappoint when it comes to Pokemon, and if they feel like this is the best way to go, who am I to say that it's not? I mean, Sean, the answer to who are you to say it's not is you're the game's media. You get to say whatever the hell you want. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Like, I get, I, you know, yeah, I get that. But I just, I err on the side of trusting companies that have been good by me. And even though Nintendo makes mistakes when it comes to Pokemon, it's, you know, I really don't have any complaints. Yeah, you know, I think my big concern with this is just, like, Sun and Moon were already chugging on the 3DS. And, like, it sucks that... When I I did buy the new Nintendo console and I'm anxious for new software on it that 
they're expecting me to play what is now a six-year-old device, you know, to play this new game, um, which is not really a problem. I own a 3DS, and if I want to play the game, I'll get it and play it on 3DS, you know, like, and I think that's fine. Um, but I think to your point, Sean, I, I'm kind of confused as to why they didn't just put it out on both, you know, like they're doing with Fire Emblem um, Heroes. You know, it's like, just Warriors. do it simultaneously. Heroes release. is the mobile Warriors. game. Warriors, Warriors. Heroes is, yeah, that's the phone game. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I, I don't necessarily understand why that is such a problem. Um, but I will say, the one argument that I've seen made that I guess I understand is maybe this is Game Freak's decision on some level, and that if they're going to make a new Pokemon game for the Switch, they want to do it from the ground up and not port over a 3DS game with better graphics, which I get. And I think... I think that that's also extremely logical. Why not take the opportunity to really push the Switch with a brand new game that can utilize the full power of the machine? And that will definitely make people buy a new console, you know, because, like, all the people who already played Sun and Moon might not be motivated to go buy a Switch to play Sun and Moon again, but they would do that for a brand new Pokemon game that they can only play on the Switch. 100%. So I, I get it. And I think, like, we talked about this, like, two or three weeks ago that, like, this is kind of that, like, Nintendo sunsetting the 3DS and, like, what better way to go out on a bang than to put out a Pokemon game, a sequel to the highest-selling, fastest-selling Pokemon game. I, I also um, I also want to say that I wouldn't even be opposed to, uh, I believe it was called Pokemon Coliseum. Yeah. Was that the yeah. game? That, that was the game where you had a single-player story where you played as this kid who was, like, an X-Team Rocket guy. Well, I wouldn't be opposed to them doing a a game like that for the Switch because, I mean, again, we're dealing with Nintendo, we're dealing with Game Freak. We know how they are precious when it comes to Pokemon, main storylines being on the the, uh, handheld consoles. But I actually thought Pokemon Coliseum, at least, was pretty decent i enjoyed it a lot i've replayed it multiple times i liked it so i wouldn't mind seeing a modern game like that that's a pokemon game but not exactly the main the main uh you know a a main installment in the series yeah man like i'm definitely into that idea i i never really understood why they abandoned that route i guess that game didn't sell very well it came out at a time that was kind of weird for pokemon it was kind of like in between its resurgence and renaissance periods so, like, maybe that's the problem. But uh, not to mention the GameCube didn't have a huge install base. But I guess the only issue I have with that is I, like, I am firmly a believer that the Nintendo Switch is a successor to both the 3DS and the Wii U. That this is the new handheld console. So Pokemon eventually has to make that Switch. Uh, and I, that, not, that pun hey. was not intended. <laughs> well, um, the question is, no, is more about if Nintendo believes that. And I think they do. I think they're not saying that because they're afraid to double down on it because they still want to sell 3DS for a little while. But, like, they're not going to make another generation of Pokemon games on the 3DS. That would be a mistake, you know? And I and I don't think we're going to get a 3DS successor. We shall see. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I guess it's all, it's all open to interpretation. But uh, I think we might have a clearer vision of this come Tuesday. So maybe we'll reopen that discussion then. Um, so from there, we got the uh, cool but small announcement that Pokemon Gold and Silver will also be coming to the Virtual Console on September 22nd alongside Pokin, exclusively on 3DS. So if you're looking to jump back into what I think many people feel is probably the best generation of Pokemon games, for sure, um, for sure. you'll have the chance to do that. 
for uh, very little money. So, I, Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I loved being able to go back to blue, and I'm excited to be able to go back to silver and gold. So, I, Absolutely, me too. Yeah, um, I, I am a huge fan of, of the second generation, so I, I haven't played them in a long time. So I would love to go back and play silver. Uh, so in more Nintendo news, Nintendo has finalized plans for the Switch online services, and some very interesting things have changed. Uh, so Nintendo Switch's online service will cost $20 a year and will launch at some point in 2018. Um, playing Switch games online will be free up until that service is launched, or until the service is launched, excuse me. Uh, and then uh, if you don't want to go for the $20 a year route, you can also go for a one-month subscription for $4 or a three-month subscription for $8. So this is significantly cheaper than their competition, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I think $20 a year is, is not an a unreasonable price point at all. Um, so, And here's the thing that actually makes that way more interesting. So the big change, though, is that Nintendo uh, has changed their mind on how they plan to give gamers free games on the Switch. So um, as we've previously reported, Nintendo had said that subscribers would gain access to a different game each month. Um, and then, the, you know, when the month was over, those games would rotate and you'd no longer have access to them. Uh, but that plan has changed. So Nintendo has now promised that subscribers will get access to free versions of classic games with added online features, uh, similar to what we saw with Street Fighter 2, I guess. Um, giving Mario Brothers 3, or Super Mario Brothers 3, excuse me, Balloon Fight and Dr. Mario as the three examples that they're pushing right now. Um, and then Nintendo confirmed that this monthly plan is, like, definitely changed, that they are giving out free games uh, in a statement to Kotaku, saying, quote, Nintendo Switch Online subscribers will have ongoing access to a library of classic games with added online play. Users can play as many of the games as they want as, and as often as they like, as long as they have an active subscription. Nintendo Switch Online subscribers will be able to play a wide variety of classic games, including Super Mario Bros. 3, Balloon Fight, and Dr. Mario. More games will be announced at a later date at launch. The classic game library will include NES games, Super NES games, uh, oh, excuse me, Super NES games continue to be under consideration, but we have nothing further to announce at this time. So this sounds more like a, um, like a subscription kind of service. Like if you subscribe to Nintendo's, you know, online service, you get access to this library of games that they'll constantly be adding to are those the only two things that you get for the 20 bucks a month the ability to play online and these free games yeah access to these free games yeah well it's not 20 bucks a month 20 bucks a year I'm sorry yeah 20 bucks a year yeah that's yeah that's good do you think it goes more like a um i can't remember the name of the one playstation service but um you know place yes plus no, no no plus is the one so like that's part of the other question like playstation now yeah yeah, PlayStation It's like, now. you know, PlayStation Plus gives you a title, you download it to your library, and it's like, cool, I have it. Um, PlayStation Now is like the streaming, obviously, if people aren't aware. Um, you can just kind of play whatever you want to play. Is it more like that, or is it more like they're giving you the title, like PS Plus? So it sounds more like it's like PlayStation Now based on this quote to me, But like, right? do you own so it, it says, though? Because it sounds like you own it, too. Well, so here, so here's what yeah. it says. Users can play as many of the games as they want, as often as they like, as long as they have an active subscription. Yeah. So... To me, yeah, that's more of a that streamer sounds like, kind of thing. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's... And I'm, I'm sure that they won't be streaming the games because Nintendo doesn't have that right, technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to download them. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm I'm guessing the way it will work is... Because the, the follow-up to this is that Kotaku asked Nintendo if this was going to be replacing the virtual console, right. and they had nothing to comment at that time. So my huh. thought is you'll probably have the ability to buy games or there will be certain games that you buy that are not part of this right. service because they said that it's going to be promising to get free versions of classic games with added online features 
Okay. So I wonder, like, I don't think every game is going to have those added features. So maybe it's only the games that they're going to be adding stuff to that are going to be free. Or maybe some games will be for purchase, like, you know, the GameCube stuff or, or whatever. And it, it seems like it's going to be they're going to give you this library that you have access to if you subscribe. But it's going to be like a slowly growing catalog kind of thing. That's okay. That sounds good. I mean, $20 a year is... Like, I'm reading into the language of this statement, yeah. but... Well, $20 a year is, is reasonable, especially with the other price points. Um, it, it, Being 60 yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's $4 a month or 8 for 3 right? Yeah, 8 for 3 yeah. months, and it's just like, the $20 a year is already, like, half as much as either of those options, so... Right. So, I mean, like, I feel like if they give you enough games, like, even these three games, Yeah, right? they're worth like, 20 bucks. These three... <laughs> And they would cost 15 yeah. like, if they were $5 right. a piece, which is the standard for NES games on Wii U and Wii. So, I mean, like, if, they, if they're actually updating it every month and giving us new games, like, that could be a really valuable service. Vote early, vote often. <laughs> it's like, just... <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, shit, I, I guess Nintendo listened to the fan feedback that people were not satisfied with, with that deal. And uh, this is way better. Yeah, I wasn't happy about oh, the sure. rotating game thing. It's cool in a way, you know, like a new flavor of the month kind of thing. But sometimes you might not have time or, you know, what if for whatever reason it's like, oh, I can't get to June's games. And then I have one day left. Shit, I can't play Mario. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I mean, it just felt particularly shitty when you look at the fact that both Sony and Microsoft have a, have a program where you where they give you free games. Right. And you get to keep yeah. them as long as you're a subscriber. So, yeah, I think this was a, a really smart move for Nintendo, and what I'm pretty excited about. You know, it'll be really nice to be able to play a lot of these classic games that I already own and don't have to pay for again. You know, like, I don't want to buy Super Mario Bros. 3 again, but I'll pay $20 a year for the online service if that means I get to play it. Makes sense to me. So, it's pretty cool, I think, anyway. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, update that as details come out. Um, I, I, the fact that they talked about this before E3 leads me to believe we probably won't hear about it then. But uh, I'm sure we'll have more information about this come the fall. Um, so, moving on from the Nintendo news, uh, item number three on the list is that someone is blackmailing CD Projekt Red and threatening the leaked design documents about Cyberpunk 2077. Um, okay. So, <laughs> Yeah, this is it's pretty serious. That's so, fucking crazy. Um, it's like some Deus Ex shit. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, CD Projekt Red posted an image that was a letter to uh, to their fans, and they said, I'm just going to read the whole letter to you guys. Dear gamers, an unidentified individual or individuals have just informed us they are in possession of a few internal files belonging to CD Projekt Red. Among them are documents connected to early designs for our upcoming game, Cyberpunk 2077. A demand for ransom has been made, saying that we should not, that should we not comply, the files will be released to the general public. We will not be giving in to the demands of the individual or individuals that have contacted us, which might eventually lead to the files being published online. The appropriate legal authorities will be informed about the situation. The documents are old and largely unrepresentative of the current vision for the game. Still, if you're looking forward to playing Cyberpunk 2077, it would be best for you to avoid any information not directly coming from CD Projekt Red. When the time is right, you will hear about Cyberpunk 2077 from us, officially. CD Projekt Red team. Good on them. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Uh. <laughs> yep. I, I had the exact same thought. I was like, good. Don't bend to I, that shit. That's insane. Yeah, like, that's... Because, like, if you do it once now, a lot of, not everyone, but other people are going to think that it's okay and they can get away with it and a trend of... I mean, this is this is becoming an in increasingly uh, common problem. Um, not just for video games, but this just happened at Disney with pirates. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, 
what I mean is like it's better to not like enable even that next guy to to think you know because someone's probably going to do it again. I'm not saying this is going to stop them, but it's just a matter of like if like ten people in a row got their money, you'd be like, oh man, there's money to be made and just stealing shit now. So let's just go do it. You know, now it's just people having fun, I guess, and you know, or whatever. I don't know. I guess I guess they want the blackmail money. I think a lot of people do this shit less for the money and just to see if they can. You know. I think, yeah, I think you're right on that front. Uh, but I, I also think that we live in an age and have for such a long time <clears throat> where leaks are so common that I don't really know that it matters. You know, yeah, that's if, if people thing. hear, if people read some documents about a game that are old and don't represent what the game is going to be like now, no one cares. You know, like people are going to look at the game when the trailer comes out they're going to judge for themselves based on what they see they're going to look at the reviews which is what people really care about and then they're going to pick the game up if it appeals to them this doesn't matter and it's good for cd project red to not give into this partially because it would set a bad precedent but also because who gives a shit honestly yeah that's yeah their fans are not going to judge them harshly for early design docs leaking or anything and yeah. and like you said the reality of it is is like that game is far away like right. they've said it's like not coming out until like 2019. It's like put it out. Go ahead. What worst case scenario, there's a press turn for a week where people are like, "Oh, this game looks kind of shitty." And then like you said, when the first actual gameplay comes out and blows people's hair hair back, then they won't give a fuck. People will forget funny, what it'll they be a read. funny little footnote. Yeah, exactly. They they worked up so much goodwill with The Witcher 3 like oh, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. If it was coming out this year though, I'd be like interested though. You know, yeah, yeah. If, that's if anything, it would I'd just promote be more interest. interested in this leak. Yeah, if it was if it was coming out this year, I would be interested to jump in and like poke my nose around and see like, ooh, what's this game about? But at this point, it's like super duper pre-alpha documents, yeah. and it's like, oh man, I could know what they were considering doing with the story a year and a half before it was finalized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, these might be interesting documents for us to, like, have in the future when the game actually comes out, but, like, I, the fact that they're trying to blackmail them with them is just, like, laughable to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Totally agree. So, item number four on the list is, um, so for the first time ever, a video game trailer has qualified to win an Oscar. What? That's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I, I want to have a bit of a, a debate about this. So, the 11-minute trailer for Everything, which is a recent simulation game that came out on P uh, PC and PS4, uh, has qualified for the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film. To qualify for an Academy Award simply means that the members of the Academy have included the film in the list of prospective nom nominees for a certain category. Uh, so, that doesn't mean it's been officially nominated for the award, and as the game's creator, David O'Reilly, pointed out on Twitter, it's probably unlikely that it will go beyond this stage in the nomination process. Um, but even so, this is uh, definitely a milestone um, for for video games and interactive media in general uh, to be considered for an Oscar. Um, but I personally, uh, I wanted to raise the question to you guys is, like, what do you think this means? Like, does this matter? Should video games want to be considered for Oscars? Because yes. I'm personally of the opinion that they shouldn't. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, as a, as a Hollywood man, I, I'd like your... Your thoughts on I, this? I agree with that. Like, I love games and I love movies, but they're different. And I don't know. Uh, everything's a super weird game that is like rolling around while philosophy lectures play the game. Pretty mm -hmm. accurate. <laughs> like, I know people are into that, which kind of weirds me out. But <laughs> I 
don't think it's going to go any further. I don't think it should go any further. And, like, the fact that it has qualified is cool and all, but I don't want to start seeing, like, you know, oh, man, what's going to win the Oscar this year? Will it be La La Land or Uncharted 4? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's understandable. Um, the reason I disagree is because, like, being a fan of really old games, especially, like, the old um, FMV trailers that used to have, like, Wing Commander had Mark Hamill, you know, in it for years, and, like, you had uh, the Command and Conquer games all had the live action sequences, and, like, they were cheesy, mm -hmm. right? They weren't good. But, I mean, that has always been... It's acting, and that's... You know, if you compiled everything in that game, or both sides of the, the story, you'd have, like, maybe over 45 minutes to an hour of actual content. And I don't think that is worth an Oscar right there for the performance of it, but it's played with the idea that, like, this is more than just a video game cutscene, you know? This is, like, something to be taken more seriously to me. And so, yeah, I actually want to respond to that. Okay. Point because that's actually the issue I kind of have with this is like, I, I don't like the idea that video games need to be legitimized by the film. Industry. I don't think it needs to be legitimized no. by it. I don't think that at all. I think that I, I think that's like backwards of how I'm trying to say it. Like, I think that they were already important enough is my point is that you you like look at a game and say, oh, it's just a cutscene or whatever. It's like, right. But there is like a lot of work that went into that cutscene, and there has been some beautiful um, animated or live action cutscenes in games that I have thought have been better than parts of movies, you know? And like, I think parts of like, if you could turn, and it's like dumb, like we talked about this, like video game movies, but it's like, if you could turn like segments of, you know, the cutscenes practically into a movie, then like really like, I don't know what the difference is. Animated Disney movies get Oscars. Why can't like game stuff get Oscars, you know? So I think the the issue there, right, is just like, not that like games aren't um, on the same level narratively or anything like that. I don't necessarily agree that they are in every sense, but I think some some are. But um, I think to the point that Andy made earlier is like they're different mediums, you know? It's like animated films are still films, you know? Like they still are, they still should be judged by the same criteria because animation like is its own thing it's its own medium but like it still exists within the um you know the confines of like television or film and operates on those same levels whereas games are an interactive medium so even though there are cutscenes and a story and a narrative in a game the way that you progress through it the way that a story is conveyed to you is inherently different and i think it should like i think that we should be as an industry should be pushing for a unified you know, like, there's, like, the TGAs, you know, and stuff like that. Like, we should decide on what award show is our award show that competes with the Oscars, not try to legitimize the industry or the medium by trying to lump it in with television and film, which is what I think a lot of, like, the old guard have done, because I think for a long time video games have been treated as a thing that are, like, low art or ch for children or not art at all. Um, and I think that the push to compare them to films was in an effort to legitimize them. And I don't think games need that. I think mm. games are a vibrant medium that exists outside of, totally outside of television and film, you know, and it speaks to a totally different audience. What do you think about like the standalone videos that are made for things like Team Fortress and stuff that aren't like, you know, given to you because you progress? They're not technically a cutscene, but they are game. Yeah, like supplemental material. No, but what do you like think that, about right? that? Like, if if one like Overwatch's yeah. trailers, do you think that they fit? Because like for like an Oscar, I think if if yeah yeah I think so. I think but if, but if somebody wanted to nominate, I, I get confused because it's, it's like though. it is game related material that you may not understand had you not read it 
or you know seen it sure but like okay so i think an, al- an analog to that would be is a is a is the um the comic book that continued the series the story of buffy the vampire slayer a tv show no i mean no. it's a comic book because of that but yeah, i mean but that's a film the thing, right is like as soon as as soon as you take a, a, a like an animated short out of the context of a game then it's not it's not part of a okay. game i guess that makes sense but you like but if it like happens to be in a game like a really long cutscene like you know wouldn't count for you yeah and i i i see the distinction that you're making cuz i think it is a, it's almost arbitrary like it is very like it's a fine line because yeah. like when you look at something like Metal Gear Solid Four, where there's like hundreds of hours that's, of cut, like honestly that what I was going for in my head so many was Metal ways. Gear. I was just like thinking about that. <laughs> but the whole thing of it, right, is and why I think it is different is one of the most cinematic moments in any Metal Gear game is the that that ladder sequence that you guys talked about, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that could be a scene in a movie. Yeah. But the fact that you as the player are controlling the ascent you know or the fact that you as the player achieve something that triggers a cutscene, it it does in, in intrinsically change the way you interact with it because it isn't passive that one moment is like a it's a pacing thing where you become passive a viewer for a minute to get this bit of story conveyed to you to go to the next gameplay beat but the fact that you had to progress to get there and the fact that your experience of what you're doing between the segments informs those segments and informs how you how you feel about those segments i think it does make it a different it, it's totally different you know interesting I, I really i really strongly feel like you're making an argument only because you feel that way because there is no reason why a story in a game cannot be comparable to a story in a film from in any sense, except for the fact that what happens in between the cutscenes is controlled by you. But everything else is a story that can be on par with anything that's ever been produced by Hollywood. And Again, so you, you're using language. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not making the point that it's not on par, though. I'm saying it's different and it shouldn't be judged the same way because, like, why you don't compare books to movies? All right, Pete, you already made your point, so let me just let me just say this. So the the difference is that because it's a cutscene, right? That is scripted. That doesn't. It, it's not. It has nothing to do with me, right? Like you could take the cutscene from the game, put it on YouTube, mash them together, and you have a full-blown story, right? So what is the difference between that and an animated film? It has all the same kinds of story beats. It's paced the same way as a story that you would see anywhere else. It's the same thing. It's not, though, because like, for, for an example, right, like something like, we'll, we'll use Uncharted, right, as an example, because Uncharted is broken down cleanly into gameplay segment uh, cutscene gameplay segment, right? And you can't just cut out just the cutscenes of any video game and get a complete story because you don't have the logic of all of the the in between stuff. And it isn't paced the same way because a video game like even Uncharted, right, has like I think Uncharted Two has nine hours worth of cutscenes, and like that's not the same as an animated film or a movie. And I think, like, the the point that you made of, like, that you do control what's going on in between those things, that matters. Because you feel differently about a cutscene, like, if you, um, you know, you're, like, about to have a boss fight, right? And you have this long, drawn-out conflict with this enemy that was super engaging and you were, like, you're all tense and your heart's racing because you just finished this 
you know, this big fucking moment in the game. And then you have that cutscene, that feeling that you carry into it informs how you feel about that next scene. And that's not a thing that you'll that you'll necessarily get in movies because you don't you're not involved in the same way. But that doesn't mean that the scene can't be impactful just because you didn't play it. So the point I, I'm that not I'm, making that point though. But you just said that because you played the scene, there's there are emotions that you have attached to it yes. that exist because you played it. But but that that's a separate issue from whether or not it can be viewed on the same level as and compared to and viewed like alongside films because at the end of the day you you playing it has nothing to do with whether or not you can enjoy that cutscene and view it as a high piece of art that is comparable to something that could be considered for an Oscar. They're, they're, I like I get what you're saying, Sean, about you know games should be viewed as like high forms of art, and I like absolutely agree with that. But also, the Oscars aren't like the art awards or the storytelling awards; they're the awards for film. And, like, games and film are inherently different, despite having similarities. Same way, like, you know, novels and films are both narrative forms, but they're different. Television and film are both, you know, audio-visual narrative forms, but they're different forms. And I don't think that acknowledging that games aren't movies is problematic or, like, says we value games less... But, like, I think games should make their own place rather than legitimizing themselves or trying to legitimize themselves by piggybacking on the Oscars. Yeah. I, I, also, I also have a problem with that narrative because I don't think that that's what anyone's really doing. Like, th- that's not something that I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's not something that I'm aware of where uh, video game companies are deliberately doing things to try to get into the Oscars. Uh but, you know, Pete, you were making the point that a game with a nine hour, nine hours worth of cutscenes is different than a two and a half hour movie. And I grant you that. But I think um, making those kind of blanket statements doesn't really apply to the conversation because every every game obviously doesn't fit the mold of what I'm talking about. Right. But and not every game has do. a narrative. Not exactly. So not every game would fit into that. Some games narratives are absolutely horrible, but some movies narratives are absolutely horrible. And so I, I don't think that it works to say, well, all games, I think no, that's the problem. And it's like, you're, you're acting like I'm making a judgment call against games or against game stories. And that's not what I'm saying. No, I'm, I'm not I'm acting like, like that at all. Okay, that's the, that's the point I feel like you're making though. Cause I'm not saying that like, that has anything to do with like the quality or like your ability to enjoy it. It's just that like, it is a different medium. It's the same reason that they don't honor television shows at the Oscars. They're just different. And I think they should be judged on different levels. Am I missing your point? I disagree and you're missing my point, but I don't feel the need to keep restating it. Okay. So (laughs) moving on. Welcome to Andy's Weeb Hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, this next item is kind of like a wrap-up of all the pre-E3 release stuff that doesn't quite belong in our discussion about, um, you know, the E3 press conferences, but that are worth talking about. So, um, you know, the first batch of Little Guy announcements we got was that Atlas is bringing Etrian Odyssey 5, Beyond the Myth, Strange Journey Redux, and Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology, uh, all to the 3DS in both North America and Europe. 
So, Andy, be a weeb, and please explain what these games are. All right. So, first we've got Etrian Odyssey 5. That game's been out in Japan for almost a year now. Um, the Etrian Odyssey series is a bunch of, like, first-person dungeon crawlers with JRPG combat, where a big part of it, and, like, the thing that sets it apart from other games, is that, like, you use the, the touchscreen on the DS to draw your map of the dungeon as you go through it. And, like, keeping a good map is really important. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Um, it's like, it's a lot of fun. It's very, very grindy. Um, all reports out of Japan have been like Etrian Odyssey 5 is very good and more of the same. It's like, it's my go-to sort of just like turn my brain off and grind RPG. That's cool. cool. Yeah. one of those. Um, Strange Journey Redux and Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology are both, uh, like sort of 3DS re-releases of uh ds games that have already been out in the states uh they're both coming out in japan um i think strange journey is already out and radiant Historia is about to come out um and we were wondering if we were going to get those in the west and now that we are it's really cool uh strange journey is a shin megami tensei game oh. i did not know that yeah yeah, it's, it's one of the spin-off games. You play a research team from, like, the modern-day UN who goes to, like, what's the word? Like, look into a spatial distortion in Antarctica. Is and there a then, word for that? <laughs> Looking into spatial distortions in Antarctica? Like, examine, <laughs> I don't know. Like re- I don't know if it's, like, research or examine is the word I want to use there. Or look into. But you go check out this thing. And then, you know, Shin Megami Tensei stuff happens. You get a, like, a spacesuit that lets you capture demons and make them work for you. Sounds about right. Yep. Uh, and Radiant Historia is another RPG with its own, like, level of twists. It's got a bunch of different timelines, kind of similar to Chrono Trigger, except instead of just moving back and forth on one timeline, and, like, Chrono Trigger is a fairly linear, linear game that features time travel in its story... Um, perfect chronology, you have a bunch of timelines you can jump back and forth between, and, like, what you do affects how the story plays out. Huh. And it's got a pretty cool battle system where enemies are laid out on a 3 by 3 grid. So when you hit them, you can, like, move them. And the the big example they've been using in the trailer is, like, you can change the times, the turns around to set up combos for your guys, and then use your guys to, like, move all the enemies onto one space so that when your guy with, like, your caster with the ultimate lightning damage skill calls that down on one space, you got, like, six enemies there instead of just one. Huh. I mean, these all sound pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Radiant Historia and Strange Journey are both, like, really well-received on the original DS release, but I never played them because I didn't have a DS, so I'm excited to be you know, getting the chance to play them next spring when they come out. It's crazy, man. Like, I don't know with the, with these three games announced too, it's like, there's a, there's like a pretty sizable chunk of 3ds games ahead in this like year. I think Nintendo's trying to go out with the bag. Yeah. I was just saying, I haven't played my 3ds since Pokemon came out and here's like three games I want to play. So awesome. They got me back. (laughs) The, the weird thing, though, is they're not releasing this at, like, Atlas Tax. They're costing $40 like other 3DS games. Holy shit. $50 <laughs> like Atlas games. That's super weird. Wow. <laughs> Wait, a- Atlas charges $10 more than every other 3DS yeah. game? Yep. Yeah. 
What? Yeah, and also and console games too. No one complains. Yeah, they charge ten dollars yeah. more across the board, and everyone just doesn't care. Because the games are that good. Yeah, the games are like that good, and they're huge, and they're also on sale all the time. So like, as long as mm. you're not buying it at release, like I picked up Shin Megami Tensei four for twenty bucks two years ago. I've gotten probably hundred and twenty hours out of that game. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the next uh, announcement is um, Team Ninja's Final Fantasy fighting game. I think it's Dis Disidia 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 um, Disidia Disidia. Okay, thank you. Um, is coming to PS4 in 2018. So um, the game is uh, it's actually going to be called Disidia Final Fantasy NT. It's an updated port of the 2015 Japanese arcade game, uh, which features over 20 playable Final Fantasy heroes and villains Ooh. going head to head in three v three three v three battles. Excuse me. Uh, including a brand new character in Final Fantasy XV's protagonist, Noctis. Uh, in according to a listing for Dis Dis Dissidia, <laughs> uh, um, on Amazon, the PS4 release is going to feature a quote, all-new all Final Fantasy story written by writer Kasushigi Nojima, whose credits include the Final Fantasy VII remake, Final Fantasy XV, and Kingdom Hearts. I guess he just writes everything for them now. <laughs> it's like... Oh my god, if you have one guy doing all these games, um, Seven's remakes should be pretty good, and hopefully Kingdom Hearts 3 will be good. I wonder if he ever sees his family. Yeah. No, I mean, 15 alone would have taken up like an entire decade of his life, so... <laughs> I mean, he's A, a game dev, and B, works in a Japanese industry, yeah, so yeah, no. he doesn't have a family. He's, he's never definitely not. I mean, he's got a family, <laughs> he just doesn't know what they look like anymore. That's what I meant. His children are five years old, and they've only seen his face two or three times. It also sounds like this might be the reason why these games have taken so damn long to come out. <laughs> yeah, right? I was going to say, uh, we were off camera, you were just like, why is Kingdom Hearts 3 taking so fucking long? And it's like, oh, we'll talk about it. There's one man <laughs> behind it, and he's already busy with other things. <laughs> also, fun fact, the thing that a lot of people seem to forget is when they announced uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, they said he was writing it, and he made a public statement, and he was like, well, it's the first I've heard I'm hearing about it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was like, I didn't know I was I didn't know I was the lead dev on it. Cool. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's yeah, like well. sitting there, it's like, sir, we need to launch the nuclear missiles. Okay, you get the guy. You are the guy. Meanwhile, I'm also already blowing up two other countries. <laughs> it's like what? it's like Final Fantasy 15 wasn't even out yet. <laughs> Regarding uh this fighting game, the city, uh, I was disappointed when we didn't get it, you know, when we didn't get it stateside when it first came out. I'm right cautiously optimistic about this port uh the game looks good i uh, i i guess so for me i'm more of a fan of uh more traditional fighting games that you know don't have a lot of the kind of movement that this game does um i don't like how it's i shouldn't say i don't like it i just don't typically play fighting games that are fully 3d where you can move around as much as you can in this one tekken is as far as i tend to go just because it's it's slow and it does have very clear boundaries uh the dragon ball z games are re these this reminds me of those yeah, sure and, definitely. Uh, there weren't there were installments of that series that were really good but on the whole i didn't think that they were so great and i'm i'm ha but i'm hesitant to say it was because of the way that the, that you move and the way the game is played so this game very easily could be good uh, it looks, it certainly, it certainly Phil? looks like, <laughs> it certainly looks like a good game, graphically speaking, very high quality stuff. And I like the cast, so this is something that I would definitely be willing to give a chance to. I feel like also the fact that, like, they're porting it, 
like two years later and it was an arcade game and everything is like obviously there must be like people must be playing it right like there's got to be a fan base out there that's interested in it or why would they even bother yeah that's probably true i also think that a lot of people felt the way that i did when this game was first announced and we, and we knew we wouldn't get it here it's that- like, oh I'd like to play it. Right. And so I think that they probably realized, well, hey, there's there's a market for this in the West. Let's, you know, bring it out and see how it does. So Especially coming hot off Final Fantasy fifteen, which yeah. kinda I think like renewed interest in that franchise in a big way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh it, it, did you Sean, did you play uh uh what is it, Xenoverse? Um Dragon Ball Xenoverse or Xenoverse two? I play yeah, I played a little bit. I played a little bit. Because the combat is like you said, Dragon Ball games, like uh Tenkaichi and stuff. Uh, I preferred like Budokai, which like the you know the more side scroller kind of thing. But uh, yeah. Xenoverse, I really really liked Xenoverse, and that was the first time I like actually enjoyed that that style of combat. So I guess maybe like the technology got better or something. If this game plays anything like Xenoverse did, I'll be really happy. Yeah, I, and and I think that but this again, this is just based on the trailer. It looks it looks like it plays like some of the better. Uh, Dragon yeah, Ball Z games definitely. that that had that style, so right. I, I have no complaints based on what I saw. But it, I have to get my hands on it to really. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> it also yep. kind of reminds me of those uh, those Naruto, oh like, yeah, the Storm of the yeah. Ninja or yeah. whatever games that were like kind of like that. Ninja like they Storm. were in a three. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. And they were like Man, in a three D like space. Weirdly popular. Yeah, yes. they were good. Like I don't yeah. give a fuck about Naruto, but they're fun games. Yes, but like. I just remember there were like 1,800 of them coming out every year. It was just like Naruto Ultimate Super Version Arena 7 Fighting Ninja Shogun Storm. It was like every time, like every six months, another one would come out with a new word yeah. added, to the, added to the end of the or title. Or another number added onto it. And w- and one new character. Yeah. yeah. Or like, or like maybe like, 12. Oh, now you can, 12 variations. Now you can play oh. as Naruto in a green suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You sure you're not talking about Street Fighter? <laughs> <laughs> or Marvel vs. Capcom? Oh, God. What was that one game we played in the Wii for Bleach? Uh, oh, I, I can see the box of it right now, but yeah, I, I mean, can't think of the name I, of it. Yeah, I don't know. But um, flinging around the fucking Wiimote and shit like an idiot. You remember how like ridiculous that was? Like, I gotta swing my sword. <laughs> Throw your arm around like an asshole and like it would never work half the time. <laughs> that was great. That was a great game. <laughs> I hope that they put DualShock 4 motion controls in the PS4 release somehow. Oh no. Stop. <laughs> I also hope that Bubsy's a playable character. So yeah, uh, that brings us to our next trailer, which is for some reason there's a fucking new Bubsy game coming out on PS4 and PC. Uh, so Bubsy the Wooly Strike Back got a 30 second teaser trailer showing off a new visual style and some pretty underwhelming looking gameplay. Uh, it's coming from Acclaim, who are the original creators of the series and everything, and I don't know, man, it's just, I'm left with an overwhelming feeling of just, like, why? Why? <laughs> who is this aimed at? Yeah. <laughs> I have literally never heard of Bubsy until today, so, again, why? What? You don't know about Bubsy 3D, one of the most infamously terrible games no, ever made? No, because I generally don't play infam- infamously terrible games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I guess so. for those of you who don't know, I thought Bubsy was, was well-known among most people. But uh, so, I mean, the game started as two, like, middlingly to well-acclaimed platformers on, uh, you know, the 16-bit era consoles. And then uh, for the PlayStation 1 era, they made Bubsy 3D, which was one of the earlier, like, 3D platformers. And it was just a notoriously shit game. 
Um, it handled poorly. The graphics were, in some cases, not even finished. So uh, is this like a sequel it, from that game from PS1 era? It's like not a direct sequel. It seems like it's like this is their way to reboot it because it's a, it's a side-scroller again. It's done in like a 2.5D kind of vibe. Um, and the trailer like has a voiceover from Bubsy and he straight up says like, this is the you know the tr- journey i've been waiting to go on since 1993 yeah, i'm just so gonna like, say like they're, what, they're not wait like, 15 fucking years for a game no one cares about like what the hell <laughs> yeah right like they're definitely not ignoring their past here but like it's <laughs> just, just do something it's else Dude, make a new ip oh my god because <laughs> like they said the 1993 thing so that's obviously the last game so i guess they're ignoring bubsy 3d they're pretending they're retconning that that never happened or picking up from the last game that anyone liked <laughs> oh man what about the plot of bubsy 3d though it was masterful <laughs> masterful we're dropping a lot of plot threads here we're guys i'm not i'm not comfortable with this reboot i i i mean i i watched the trailer it looks fine I, you know the gameplay seemed all right um i just don't know I why guess. Like, yeah, but yeah like very much like Okay, this is this is fine, you know. This like looks at like best. a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, but I'm with you, Pete. I don't know why we need this. I really just was questioning, like, isn't this a dead IP? Like, when was the last time? I couldn't even remember the last Bubsy game that we got. And right. if you're saying it was for PS One, well, there you go. Uh, so I just don't get this. Well, I just watched yeah. the trailer, and I really don't get it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like I feel like it's trying to capitalize on like Sonic Mania, yeah, you right. know, and like and some of these other games that are like, oh look, we're doing a throwback to this thing, and it's like, but nobody cares about Bubsy. <laughs> it's like fuck, <laughs> fuck Bubsy. You heard it here first. Fuck Bubsy. <laughs> I don't know about first, but <laughs> Pete's got a list of goals, and number one on the list, fuck Bubsy. All right, so yeah, uh, moving right along in uh, more. Uh, Square news, um, Kingdom Hearts 3 has gotten a pretty robust new gameplay trailer uh, where we saw a mixture of kind of standard team combat with Donald and Goofy, uh, boss battles, and some fleshed out story cutscenes, which were unfortunately in Japanese, um, involving both the classic Disney villains who kind of made up the, the bads, big bads of the first game, and then uh, members of Organization 13. So it's all set in the world of Hercules. Uh, we saw like a, a boss fight with one of the Titans. We saw some brand new abilities for Sora. We saw some brand new like team up abilities. Uh, and based on this trailer, I got the impression that the game seems like it's actually pretty far along. It looks pretty polished from what we've seen, and we saw a good variety of content that looks finished. So. I mean, that doesn't say anything about how many worlds are done, but and this could easily just be a vertical slice that they prepared for these trailers. But uh, the fact that it is a mix of stuff leads me to believe that it seems like they're a decent way into development. Um, and the end of the trailer promises a new world and another new trailer on July 20, uh, or 15th, excuse me, not 25th, um, at the D23 Expo 2017, which is like Disney's big multimedia thing where they kind of announce all the shit they've got going on for the next year or so or whatever. Um, so we'll update you then. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Kingdom Hearts fan, right? So No, I actually am a big fan. Oh, really? I didn't know you played yeah. Kingdom Hearts, Sean. Yeah, dude. Oh, that's um, so exciting. Okay, so what do you, I, what'd you think about this? I thought, I th- oh, man, I thought the trailer was excellent. I love the gameplay. I love some of the new stuff that we could see that Sora was doing. Graphics I miss real good. Yeah, I miss these characters a lot. I haven't kept up with all the, like, 
whatever, 2.7, you know, the, yeah. the, the, all those releases, I wish I had. You mean I you feel didn't like play like Kingdom Hearts 2.12, Bubsy <laughs> Edition? <laughs> it's now Kingdom Hearts 2, except Sora and Riku are both Bubsy. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't know how much of the story I've missed and how relevant all that stuff is. I think the only game you really definitely need to play is the one that was on the 3DS, Dream Drop Distance. Oh, because I, that one is, I, I, yeah. What a name. 3D. 3D. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's horrible. 3D. Um, it's like something I would do. It was do. a good game. <laughs> um, the, and like all of the Kingdom Hearts side games are like fine. But that one's worth playing because it's about Sora and Riku and it's a direct prequel or not prequel, but it's a direct like linchpin between the events of Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three. I bought it. I have it. It's in a wrapper. I never played it. So. How many games do you own in a wrapper, Sean? Dude, I'll count because it's it's quite a bit actually. Like, we which should, wrapper we should... are they in? Did you feed him to like Kendrick or Biggie <laughs> or? Oh my god. <laughs> we should we should do an unboxing video that's just Sean opening every sealed game that he has. Dude. Oh my god, I I think I would actually kill myself. If, like, we did a video that was just, like, two hours of plastic crinkling. It might be, man. Honestly, Fantastic it's... for our audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> to wrap up my thoughts about Kingdom Hearts 3, again, I'm very excited. It's been a long time, you know, uh, ten over ten years, right? Since part two. Yeah, man. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out when I was in, like, the eighth grade. Yeah, so... I'm excited, but I just wish it hadn't taken so long. Absolutely. And, like, it's fine if they want to put out all these, like, little side games, but, like, segmenting the story across all of these different platforms and, like, not telling the story that we're actually interested in has been super fucking frustrating as a fan. Yeah. It's like, I've literally been following this series since I was, like, nine or ten years old, you know? And it's like, finish the fucking trilogy! (laughs) Uh... I don't want to derail us, but I'm a, I'm a huge Tool fan, and one of the things that I've thought about is what's going to come out first, Kingdom Hearts 3 or Tool's next album. It's looking like Kingdom Hearts. I think we get a release date next month. Really? I I don't think that like Disney at this point super cares about Kingdom Hearts. I think that Disney at this point has, like, Square's got the rights, and they know if it ever comes out, it's going to make money. And, like, they they don't care enough to get in the way of Square's, like, fucking bullshit development cycle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Obviously, right? Obviously, they're not pressuring them to finish Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah, they're just letting it happen. But you don't give them a spot at D23 to, like, show off this trailer unless they're, like, ready to go. That's yeah. a good point. That's a great point. Um, Yeah, I actually made a joke on on uh, social media earlier where i was like i can't wait to play this game but i feel like i might be on the wrong side of 30 by the time i actually get to play it (laughs) and uh i don't know seeing that they're gonna put this out at at g23 is like i hope you're right i hope we get a release date i hope it's soon i know that square has made the statement that over the next three years they're going to release kingdom hearts 3 the avengers game that they're doing and um and the final fantasy 7 remake or at least the first chapter of it i guess so, they're keeping to that timeline. I mean, it's not impossible to think that this game might be out next year. Did you say three... Did you say over the, th- the next three years? Yeah. What? I the- don't believe that. I don't believe that at all, but that's what they've said. I would not be, like, stunned 
if we got an announcement for a release date this year with the way that, like Disney does D23. Man, how is Kazushige Nojima going to do all those games? Uh, he's going to sell his soul. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> oh, cool. We have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, we'll update you guys in July about this. And uh, now that I know Sean likes Kingdom Hearts, I'm going to... We're going to talk about this a lot on the show now. Damn it. So yeah. we, we used to talk about it all the time on the Slackcast anyway, and I was the only one who gave a shit. So Andy <laughs> would just humor me and talk to me about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> all right, so this last one is one that um, I'm particularly excited for, uh, which is Life is Strange developer Don't Nod Entertainment's next game, Vampire, will launch this November on PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One, according to publisher Focus Home Interactive. Uh, so we got a brand new trailer for the game, which... Is unfortunately just another cinematic kind of trailer, so we still don't know too much about what the game actually looks like. Um, but the trailer pans across kind of like a 1918 London. We've got uh, this main character, Dr. Jonathan Ride, who is, um, he's a like famed war surgeon who's become a vampire. Uh, recently, there's like a vampire, wave of vampire bites going across the city and turning all these people into vampires. Um, and essentially, uh, the game is going to be focusing on players kind of going throughout the city, trying to deal with the curse, um, you know, by either, I guess, reversing it or leaning or leaning into the whole vampire thing and fucking taking over the city. Um, so we really, we haven't seen like really anything, uh, in terms of gameplay yet for, for what the game looks like. But, um, I mean, don't nods, you know, they're big success was life is strange which is like a story driven game their game before that was an action driven game so i really don't know like what direction this is going to go in but i'm excited for it based on the pedigree alone because i loved life is strange i'm excited to see more from don't nod um and this is interesting you know i think 1918 london vampire story is not a thing we've ever done in video games before and like the idea of like having a mechanic of like being a vampire and needing to feed on people or whatever like that could be really cool Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines from like early night or not early mid nineties was fucking awesome. Uh, you know, like having having the it wasn't like necessarily obviously as fleshed out as games are today, but it had that mechanic where you're like, I can be a complete asshole as this, or I can be a nice guy. You know, like you can do that, right. and that was like feed on animals or something uh, pe- instead well, of people. Or... There was like if you're a one clan, you could feed on rats. I mean, that was about it because okay. that's like a trait of them, but. That's built in the lore, like, you know, like, that's expanding from a book, from a RPG, D&D kind of thing, okay. so, like, they took it from those stats. So this is interesting, because, you know, me, I my name on everything's Relic Vampire. I like vampires, I think they're pretty fun and cool, I, despite the Twilight craze. No. Um, which is, like, literally the worst time of my life, because I was like, oh my god, you like vampires? Did you read Twilight? It was like, I'm gonna fucking kill someone. Like, this is never, that's mm-hmm. not, you know, so, in any case, um, I'm glad to see it come back to that darker, you know, thing that it's supposed to be. Especially, like, um, like you said, London. Um, English vampire tales are very... Um, How do you beat that? Classic, you know? and But also, like, uh, I think they nail that that kind of, like... Um, I don't know, that, that horror element that a lot of modern things don't really seem to get, in my opinion. Um, also, 1918, right after the war, is great. Um, I'm sure we'll get scenes of the Great War, which another great time thing to talk about. It's all very interesting to me, and I like Life is Strange also, so... Hopefully it works. Yeah, man. It's like, I love a good period piece, and this is like a cool period. Yeah. It's like Industrial Revolution and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. It seems like a cool it's, setting. It hits like, you know, a ton of notes that I like, and I, I'd i play it alone just, you know, like, what was that one fucking game that came out? Like, uh, PS2 Vampire Night or something, and it was like one of the worst games ever. 
Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was like something that people said were bad, and I was like, but it's got vampires. So like, you know, I was into it. Um, and then <laughs> I found out the gameplay was like unplayable, but I would get this even if I didn't know that people made Life is Strange behind it. So it looks dope, but the trailer shows us very little. Exactly. Yeah. Is my take on it? It's a you know a cinematic hype trailer, and I'm fine with that. But it reminds me a little bit am, of like the Order eighteen eighty six. I want to see a little more. With, Man, that whole game was a cinematic hype trailer. <laughs> That's the problem. The game <laughs> yeah. is like you know uh, three hours long. Look how good this engine we built is. Oh wait, we forgot to make a game. Right, it's, it's like three hours. It's five long. hours yeah. long. Apparently, it's like not bad. It was a games with a PS Plus game a couple months ago. It's like if you get it for free, it's fine. Yeah, if you're not spending sixty dollars on it, but yeah. But yeah, you were saying. Um, I hope Vampire's good. I really hope we get more out of Don't Nod this week. You know, them just being like, "Yeah, so this is what we're trying to do with this game," because the trailer gives us a bit of the setting and the characters and doesn't seem to show us a lot of what they're trying to do with the game. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because I'm actually interested in it, and I've yeah. been interested in it for a while. I'm ready to see more. Is it gonna be like another Life is Strange quasi Telltale game with a twist? Is it gonna be like an action game, like a war medic turned vampire sort of implies? And like literally, either of those are good. Like I'm yeah. interested in either of them. I just want to know what it is. Yep. Yeah, because I have like literally no idea at this point, and it's driving me crazy. Yep. Though, I mean, I guess it's a good thing, right? We're talking about it. We're interested. Yeah, yeah. So. If, if it ends up being something that looks cool, I'm into it. If it ends up being something that looks like a shitty game, I'll cry for the setting and the price. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the wasted potential. So what about what about you, Sean? Any, any thoughts on this? I know you didn't play Life is Strange, but... I'll just keep it really brief. This looks great. Um, the only problem is there are so many games co- that come out each year, and, you know, it's hard to allocate money towards all of them, and some things do get left out. And I wonder if the gameplay of this will justify a, a purchase in competition with all the other great games that are on the horizon. Very yeah, good point. I think that's a totally legitimate yeah fear. I think the one thing that's working in its favor is that Don't Nod has some some cachet right now because Life is Strange like just came out and was such a big game. Like hopefully they'll be able to transition to that into some groundswell interest. Let's hope. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the news and, by extension, the episode. So, uh, like we talked about at the top, uh, if you guys want to tune in for the full E3 discussion that we're going to have, come back tomorrow and, uh, and you know, get the entire E3 discussion. We will be going through every single one of the major press conferences, all the announcements that came out of it. So that means we're going to be talking about EA, Bethesda, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. So, uh, oh, and Ubisoft. Forgot about them in there. Um, so yeah, tune in on Wednesday. We'll talk about all that stuff then. So if you want to get more from us, you can go in the links below along with all the news items. We've got our Twitter handles. You can follow us there and, uh, reach out, talked about anything we talked about on the show. Send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Follow at thecomicspals wherever your social media is sold and connect with us. And until then, um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. Peace. Take care, guys.